This is Hannah. This is Rachel. And this is What I Like to Tell People. What would you like to tell people? I would like to tell people that you have to move your body. If you want to feel good physically and emotionally, you have to move. And that is a combination of activity. You know, when we think of an active lifestyle and getting our steps in and being really mobile around the house, going for walks. And in addition to that, we need deliberate exercise. So you need things that will get your heart rate up, that will uh, send oxygen to your whole body, will send oxygen to your brain. We need to do some yoga and some Pilates. We're working on our mobility and our balance. And we also need to strength train. We are we are working against gravity all day long and our posture shows it. So we need to have strengthening exercises that work on our posture and our upper back. And we need our legs, our hips to be strong so that our knees, our hips, our back feel good. And everybody needs a strong core. So we need to make sure that we're integrating all of these different components of exercise into our active lifestyle so that we can continue to feel good inside and out through every decade of our life. Jody, what would you like to tell people? I would like to tell people to just go for it. If you are thinking about something you want to do, a different type of job, a move, um, there's just no, if any, if we've learned anything this year, it's like, there's no good time or bad time. Um, you just have to do it. I think this year has taught a lot of people to just kind of, you know, take it back to basics, what's important. And, and in business for me, I mean, I remember my first conversation I went to talk with, um, a studio owner just to hear like, what, what do I need to do? And he's just like, well, you just kind of need to have, you just got to have a big set of balls. <laughs> I was like, well, all right, I have that. I mean, I guess that works. I mean, there's a whole lot more that goes into it. Um, but really that, that drive, um, you should feel uncomfortable. You should feel anxious. You, all that is, is like adrenaline. And that happens when something is exciting and, and challenging and it should be. Um, so any big change in life, it should scare the shit out of you. Um, just surround yourself with the people that are super positive, you know, surround yourself with people who are going to challenge you too and question you. Um, but just don't let other people's opinions, um, come into play. I think that like, that kills a lot of great ideas and a lot of potential opportunities. I mean, if I had listened to my dad, there's no way I would have ever opened. If I like, like it's just so many people are going to be naysayers and um, you need to hear some of that. But for the most part, if there's something like deep inside you telling you, hey, I want to try this. No one no one can can answer that besides you. Michelle, what would you like to tell people? I would like to tell people to. I mentioned this before, but give themselves grace and compassion in this time. Um, my, you know, the past six months of my life have been just an absolute whirlwind in a lot of beautiful ways and a lot of anxiety provoking ways. Um, but you know, my journey through all of this is, is being a new mom and then navigating being a new mom in a pandemic. Um, 
it's definitely been unexpected, but I think trying to find the joy in, in every day and in, you know, even being six feet apart from someone and just appreciating that we're healthy and we're safe and, and able to see each other in that way has, has been fantastic. Um, I would say really also priding yourself if you are a new mom in this time. I know I went through some body image issue stuff of just navigating like, oh my gosh, like my body has changed. I ended up having an unplanned C-section. It's, it's not what I necessarily wanted to have happen, but um, I now look at that scar with a sense of pride and, and recognize like, man, like I was a warrior. Like I did it. I, I got through this. And like, so those little like baggy areas that I'm like, well, that wasn't there before. I'm like, I like held this child for nine months and now I'm holding her here. And um, so that's really helped me. And I, you know, that kind of segues into talking about pole. Um, I started pole dancing. My first class was in 2016, I believe. Um, and I've been at my studio Diva Fit for the past two years. Um, I think two years. Yes. Uh, and I absolutely love it. I used to dance ballet. So it's a really wonderful kind of way for me to challenge myself physically, get into some really cool tricks and choreography and kind of use the elements that I learned with ballet without the kind of stress of, oh my gosh, my feet are too flat for this. I don't have the turnout for it. I used to be able to do this at 16 and now I'm 30 and I can't anymore. Uh, so it's allowed me to incorporate that into my love of pole, which is great. Um, and I pulled up until I was about 20 weeks pregnant. Uh, and then I pretty much stopped after that. And so I ended up starting virtual pole classes and my husband and mom and dad chipped in to get me an actual pole for my living room so I could do, um, or for my kitchen, virtual classes, which was great. But it was very much a, a big adjustment kind of dealing with my, my new body and also kind of trying to make time for that too, you know, with childcare and um, then also starting back work in, in July. So uh, it was really kind of difficult sometimes to, to find that time. Honestly, I, I know we say make time, but honestly, some days I was like, I just can't find that. <laughs> um, but I, one of my poll friends, she was fantastic. And, and she basically said, she was like, even if you do it for 20 or 30 minutes, two times a week, she said, do it. Don't get hung up on this. Well, I need an hour to warm up and stretch and do everything perfectly. She was like, do a quick warm up, get in there, do something and get out even if it's during nap time. So um, it's been kind of, I don't know, I'm, I'm trying to view, I used to have, you know, a lot of tricks and things that I can't necessarily do maybe as well as I would like to, but I'm trying to view getting them back as like, look how far I've come, look what my body has done and is still doing. And, um, and I think the, just the movement and exercise too, and the community of having those virtual classes has been just really vital for, for my own mental health and all of this. Um, and then I'll segue to mental health. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, you know, I've been working now in private practice for a year and a few months. And um, there's absolutely a mental health crisis going on right now with this pandemic, um, a lot of depression, a lot of anxiety. So like I said, reach out for help is what I tell people if you need it. Like, don't hesitate. It does not mean you're weak. It does not mean you've done something wrong. Um, even different modalities of, of mental health, like, you know, pursuing art therapy, for instance, to maybe process things in a different way, um, could be fantastic 
But uh, I think, you know, viewing this as this is what I need right now, it doesn't mean it's forever. It is what it is right now. And this is where we're at, I think is important. Um, so, you know, as far as art therapy goes, what I'd like to tell people is, especially for the adults out there is, you know, make sure that I guess if, if you do decide to pursue art therapy, try again, give yourself some grace and understand that it's sometimes just about the creative process. And maybe you color with your non-dominant hand just to kind of get something down on paper and see what that feels like. And it may be a little bit uncomfortable, but it can lend itself to some really amazing discoveries and um, just a different way for our brains to process and express themselves instead of just talking about everything. Um, so I'd say during this time, you know, make this time count as bizarre as it feels, do something that gives you purpose every single day. Um, and yeah. Chelsea, what would you like to tell people? Um, I think at the end of the day as a person who's in long-term recovery, I just would like to tell people like there is a better life that, you can achieve if you choose to do something different and recovery isn't easy it's not something that i wake up every morning and just love life it's living life on life's terms um if i said i never craved or wanted to get high i would be a liar but i know that with everything it took from me and all the levels of um what I call hell that I went through to get my drugs that it's just not worth it. And if you could really like, like I, I see people every day and, and I talk to them and, and I say like, just get like, give it a couple months. If if people would look at their life and, and actually get, give it three months that, that you do something different, that you go to inpatient or you go to outpatient and you truly put your all into doing something different. If you don't like it, if you don't like recovery or anything that is, it's giving you like, you could always go back to the same crap that you crawled out of because it's going to be there. Like your drug dealer is going to be there or you'll have another drug dealer. Like the dope is always going to be there, but your life isn't. There's going to come a time where you will either like die, end up in an institution or you'll end up in jail. That's the only three places it leads to use drugs gives no form of happiness and you can't do anything as long as you choose to, live that life over trying to do something different so i just think like i'm so thankful where i am today and i'm thankful that for the people who like stuck by me um because to love a drug addict's not easy you know we're hard people to love and and we're hard people to uh to want to stick by because we do some horrible things but at the end of the day like i'll never forget who stuck by me but I'm very thankful for you all having me on here today. <laughs> Lindsay, what would you like to tell people? I think you all should go check out my Etsy shop. And if you see anything you like um, and you want to give it to your uh, niece or <laughs> sister or cousin for Christmas or, you know, whatever you celebrate, um, Hanukkah, uh, then go check it out, especially if you're in the Appalachia area. I think you would like my stuff. It has a lot of, uh, you know, Appalachian 
uh, nods and that sort of thing. So um, yeah, just go check out um, my shop. There'll be more on there um, this week. And yeah. where can they check you out? Uh, at? Oh, <laughs> um, my shop is Bashful Bee Press um, on Etsy. And it's also Bashful Bee Press on Instagram if you want to see updates and um, stories. I'm probably going to go live again. Um, not this week, but probably the next week. So um, if you want to come hang out and um, watch me draw or paint, then <laughs> yeah, uh, we had a lot of fun. Eliana, what would you like to tell people? I think I'd just like to really reiterate the quote that helped me and I hope, you know, it can help other people in life. Again, by Carl Rogers, it's the good life is a process, not a state of being. It is a direction, not a destination. I think resiliency and optimism um, are key to recovering and healing from circumstances. Again, like we've talked about, it's not a race. It's not about just getting over it and pretending things are fine, but really acknowledging what you're going through and using your healthy coping mechanisms to get through it. Um, And so... Uh, you know, everyone experiences storms, but not everyone is in the same boat. And while that's important to acknowledge um, and to acknowledge the privileges you might have access to, like, for example, a, a stronger uh, support system that might be emotionally and financially useful. And not everybody has access to those same resources, but everybody has the ability to foster up uh, self-confidence and resourcefulness. Um, and the optimism that you need to realize that you are not stuck where you are, right? Um, you, you will get through it. And I think that is the most important thing to remind yourself if you're going through tough times is that, you know, you might, you are experiencing something right now. Um, but again, think about where you're going to be next year or even in a few months, like things will change and you could do it. Now, this is part of our segment where we ask, Jaina, what would you like to tell people? Yeah, I think that now we're, we live in an age where um, progressivism and liberalism are, is viewed as being very tolerant of different races or genders or sexual orientations. Um, but I think I really want to get to um, why this may actually impede a different movement that moves us beyond trans or woman uh, or gay acceptance. Um, And so the idea of liberalism being centered on this identity actually arose, I think, in the 1960s, you you know, during the era of civil rights, when they were coming out of periods where there was very targeted discrimination against Black people, against women, against LGBT people. And so um, um, there was the story of, you know, Vincent Chin in the 1980s, basically, he was a Chinese auto worker in Detroit, and he was killed, actually, um, because at that time, uh, a lot of uh, of the his co-workers there, or uh, Detroit auto workers, had thought that um, he was Japanese and um, thought that they were taking, you know, jobs from American auto workers. And so I think right there, it's illustrative just of um, how there's this targeted violence against different races. And so this became the basis for the different 
groups or minority groups coming together and asking for equality. You know, for women, it's different um, access to reproductive care and health, um, you know, equal pay. Um, and for yeah, just the other minorities, different policy changes so that they could materially benefit from them. And so since, and so actually there was a strategic decision by many of what are called the Watergate liberals in the 1960s to actually um, delegitimize uh, civil rights movement by uh, divorcing identity politics from what became kind of the prevailing economic view at that time, which was libertarian kind of free market thought, you know, the let the corporations regulate themselves and not the government. And so this was where the fixation, I think, on identity as bigger than policy um, became very cemented just in American politics. And I think since then, moving beyond trans acceptance to me has really meant kind of the concrete of, okay, you know, I go to I go to the doctor and that means being able to, instead of having my insurance company basically add, act as the gatekeeper, you know, you know, for a trans surgery, it was almost so difficult sorting through all the booklets, trying to find what was covered under it. Um, but uh, so moving beyond trans acceptance for me is being able to have a concrete policy like Medicare for all for, you know, I had mentioned the high poverty rate for trans people um, as being almost four times as high as the national population. And so it means moving beyond just simply depictions, you know, representation of us inside media to uh, even access to education and, um, you know, foreign policy, for example. You know, we had talked about the military being, um, you know, uh, actually disproportionately hurting women, hurting LGBT people who happen to be in poverty, um, because they're denied different, right, you know, jobs and rights. Um, and so, you know, with the military disproportionately affecting them, you know, and so when we talk about moving beyond acceptance, it's uh, advocating for these universalist po- policies that can materially benefit us and, um, you know, not simply, um, you know, words, I think, or just a corporate boardroom with, that's very diverse, that represents us, but uh, ways that we can really move us out of poverty and allow us to have education and housing and, uh, yeah, just be able to access services that all Americans can access. And so that's what I'd like to get at, just with moving beyond trans acceptance. Hannah, guess what I'm wearing? I don't know, Rachel. Our t-shirt? Yes, I think everyone should go buy one right they can even receive 15% off by using our listener code telling people found in our episode notes. Order your t-shirt now by going to our website, www.whatidliketotellpeople.com. And if they've already bought one of our shirts, they should go post a picture and hashtag what I'd like to tell people. All right, Carrie, now's the time where you get to tell people what you would like to tell them. Let's see. I would like to tell them I feel at our house as much as we get on each other's nerves and we need a break from each other and there's a lot of sighing we're a family that sighs and yeah we sigh a lot 
Um, that as much as, as, as weird as this time is, it has been, it's been a learning experience. I'll say, I'm going to try to put a positive spin on it because it is tough and you try to make the best of a bad situation. And one thing that I am incredibly thankful for is I, my job allows me to work remotely and I have been able to work this entire time. My husband's um, has been able to work the entire time and we've been able to, you know, we haven't had to worry about where, if we can buy groceries, we haven't been able to worry about collecting unemployment. You know, we haven't been able to worry about, okay, are we going to be able to take care of the things that we have? And so with those type of stressors, it's like, okay, we have a steady income, you know, our, we can put gas in the cars to not go anywhere, I guess, you know, we can buy groceries that, it's we're trying to find the positive, which I've said a couple of times. But when we do that, it's we've been able to spend quality time with each other. And really, because kids grow up so fast that we've been able to really enjoy this. And it's and it's weird and it's different. And I never pictured because Claire's in kindergarten. I see other people like. And I know, I know not, not every school does this, but think about like kindergarten graduation. And I know her school doesn't do this, but I think about some of the stuff she's missing out on, like spending time with her friends and doing end of the school year activities. And you, you think about it and you get a little bit sad because it's like, Oh, look at these things that she misses out on. But at the same time, her grandmother is teaching her. She, they already had a special bond before that. But she gets to spend so much quality time with my mom. And my mom just recently retired. And so we've been kind of easing my mother into retirement by forcing her to work for free and and educate my child. Um, but it gives her something to do. She, her and I are both somebody that needs something to do every day, all the time. And so she's been able to do that. And I've been able to, I've personally been able to see the progress that Claire's made and seeing her learning how to write and seeing that confidence. And if she was at school, I wouldn't be able to see that. Cause when Claire comes home from school, Oh buddy, did you have a good day? Yep. I don't want to talk about it. Okay. Awesome. But with her grandmother here to teach her and to show her, my mom can be like, this is what she learned. And Claire can read books to me. She can show me what she wrote. She can do the calendar, you know, she can do all these things. And so if this pandemic wasn't happening, I wouldn't be able to see those things. I wouldn't be able to, yes, I'd have a parent-teacher conference at the end, but I wouldn't be able to see every day the little steps that she's taking. And that's been so good. And it builds confidence in Claire. And it's just been so nice. And then we've had... I know Hazel goes to daycare, but because we've slowed down on the weekends, I've been able to watch her kind of grow and discover and learn new things. And it's been, you know, it's, again, bad, a bad situation, but I've been able to spend more time with them. You know, when when I when they have kids and I can be like, oh, I can talk about the pandemic of 2020 and they won't care, but it'll be, you know, it'll it's just, it's like, I never thought I would live through this, but I don't think anybody ever really does. And so it's just been nice to find as much as I 
sigh and complain and get frustrated and stressed, it is nice to see more of my kids. It is nice to see, you know, them grow and them learn and discover and, you know, to, cause in the blink of an eye, they go from 15 months old to six and they tell you they need a break from you and they don't want to be around you and that, oh, everything I do is wrong. That's come out a lot lately. Uh, Claire tells me everything I do is wrong and that I don't know what I'm talking about most of the time. So that's been delightful. I forgot that little tidbit, but it's just, you know, that's, that's what I'm trying to take away from it. <laughs> as crappy as this situation can be, I would, I do like having a house full of people and dogs so that I'm not alone as much as I would love some alone time. I think I'd rather do it, do this pandemic with them than without them. Now, this is the time of our segment where, Grace, what would you like to tell people? Yeah. So, I mean, I guess, you know, as we've been talking about, like, at the end of the day, I can't tell someone what they should do or should not do strictly with their children, especially as it relates to social media and all these kind of things. But I think there are definitely, like, safety and security measures that everyone should think about, especially in the age that we live in, um, there's, you know, different types of threats and risks involved um, because we are much more um, involved online and all these kind of things uh, that people should think about um, when they are thinking about how, you know, they want to post photos of their kids or whatever it is, like how soon they want to incorporate their kids into technology and all that stuff, because it's, I mean, I've heard so many gross stories that I will not speak um, of explicitly on on this podcast. But like, you know, there's a lot of scary stuff out there. Um, So be cautious. Now, Hannah, this is the segment where you get to tell people what you would like to tell people. Hey, so I'm Hannah J. I formed Hannah J. and the Highways about two years ago. Um, We just released our first album on February 28th. And it has about 10 songs on it, and all of them are originals, eight of which I wrote, two of which Giacomo wrote, and he's our mandolin, banjo, and harmonica player in the band. And, um, you know, I really hope you get a chance to check out the album. It's a bunch of different genres kind of melded together, but typically people call us something in the folk Americana, bluegrass genres, and all the songs are about things I'm guessing you've experienced or you're going through now. There's a lot of things about kind of growing confidence, changing, wanting to break away from a job that you don't like or a relationship that you're not into, um, kind of gaining new confidence with a new transition in your life, kind of exhibited in the song New Frames, which I wrote about my glasses. So there's a lot of fun stuff in there. There's even a drinking song for everybody. You know, everyone likes to drink, even if you're not drinking alcohol, drinking tea, whatever you want to drink, coffee, because we all survive on caffeine these days. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a really fun album that has a lot of different moods depending on where you're at in a given day. So hope you check it out. It's on all platforms you can listen to, including Spotify, Apple Music, um, Amazon Music, SoundCloud. So check it out on your favorite streaming device. And we also have a website with upcoming shows that we'll be announcing and videos on YouTube. If you want to check out some of our live performances in the past, love to see you guys there. And also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. If you have any of those accounts, we'd love to interact with you on those platforms. 
and yeah, I mean, we're just really excited to be on the show. Grateful to have been a guest and get a chance to interact with all of you. And I hope that once everything calms down with the current situation, I get to see you all in person. If not, hopefully I'll see you virtually before then. And yeah, hope hope everyone has a great time and stays safe and healthy. What would you like to tell people, Rachel and Dan? That <laughs> is a good question. Um, well, I know we've been talking about, <laughs> I know we've been talking about our record a lot, but um, so I'd love to do one last plug and I would love to tell people to please, please listen to Pretty Dark um, on any streaming platform of your choice. Um, you could buy digitally on Bandcamp um, or go to mutineerrecords.com and order pre-order the vinyl or the CD. Um, I would also just love to tell people that um, we've been working really hard for a long time and we're so passionate about what we do. And um, And just like, we we really value community um and we would love for anyone listening to this to just be a part of our little flower bomb community because i think that there's a place for everyone who is nice <laughs> um no i mean just i think that um my favorite part of doing this is the connections that we have with people and i would love the opportunity to make more connections with people um, and I would love the opportunity to be challenged and, and to challenge others. And I think that we can do that when we have a really solid community. Okay, Leslie, this is our segment where we ask people what they would like to tell people. So the thing that I wanted to talk to everybody about is like toxic people, <laughs> because this has like been very much like on my mind lately because there's been like a, a lot of people that I've met over the years and meet up and everything that is just like bad friendships and people that have taken advantage of pity. So I think that it's like really important when you're like thinking about like, is somebody taking advantage of your kindness because they don't have friends and you have a big heart? I mean, like, I'm sitting next to two people with really big hearts and they just like, you guys love people as much as I do. And like when somebody is feeling like you can see that they're very awkward or like, they're not like fitting in well with other people, your like instinct is to bring them into your group and to make them feel super welcome. That's why I did meet up in the first place. It's to find people who maybe like, cuss too loud or like the wrong shows or listen to weird music and they just haven't found the people that like those things too and like I'm so happy with the group of people that I have now but I have run across people that they don't have friends for a reason and I know that it sounds cruel to say that but there's people that literally like only find friends by bleeding nice people dry of all of their kindness. And then you have nothing left for the people that actually matter. And so it's just like my like message to the world is to like take stock of the people in your life. Are they bleeding you dry for your kindness or is it a two-way street where it's give and take and you're getting as much as you're taking? Because once you start giving more, it's not friendship anymore. It's just not. And I've really, really had to like tread carefully and figure out when somebody is literally just 
they were awkward and they were in the corner, but they were awkward and in the corner for a reason because they have not worked on being a good person. They have not worked on trying to be friends with people. They have just been bleeding everybody dry, making a victim of themselves. And then you see that as like, oh, I need to, I need to give to you. Do not fall for toxic people. Give of your heart to the people that are going to give back. And that's my message. I love that. I love it too. And we'll give our love to you. Yeah. No, and I, I agree because I always, I friend people and then I'm like, oh, now I know why you didn't have friends. Yeah. Like yeah. You, you have that like, oh, I felt sorry for you, but now I get it. And yeah. then I wear my heart on my sleeve and I always believe in the good and everyone is yeah. just so hard. So even though I know it's not my mistake, I still blame myself for like their, for them being upset at me or leaving and not talking to me anymore. And you're like, it is a huge problem with empathetic people is yeah. that they let people take advantage of them. Yeah. And it is, it just really drains you of your kindness because then you have nothing left for anybody else. And you're just, you're like going home resentful of somebody that took something from you that they didn't deserve. When you could be using that energy even for a new friend, yes. a new person, you would put that Positive energy relationship to put that energy into you also. Yeah. And I mean, that's what's great about also though the meetups too. Though you get to maybe replace that recycle, recycle, <laughs> recycle the bad humans and get the good egg. <laughs> I know, and it. It has been very unfortunate that I've had to like see good people go and I've had to see bad people finally leave. And it's not easy to make that choice. It's just never like I, if, even as I give this advice, it's really hard to do because yeah. I am super empathetic and I don't like to see people suffer. But I'm like, you're suffering at your own hands. Okay, Joyce, now is the time you get to tell people what you would like to tell them. Well, what I would like to tell people is that there there's a lot of um, preconceived ideas of what Puerto Rico is like and what Puerto Ricans are like. And um, it would be lovely if they could visit it and see that it's nothing like what the preconceived ideas, that it is a very modern place and that people are truly, truly friendly. They'll go out of their way to help whoever is there, especially Americans. Um, and um, we're, a, we're fun people. We just love to have fun. You know, I always hear from, from my friends saying, oh, the Puerto Ricans must be around because everybody's laughing. And that's who we are. We're very, very lighthearted in that way and can laugh at ourselves and laugh with others. And um, it's, it's, it's a lovely, lovely, to me, of course, very biased, a very lovely culture. And we're also filled with a lot of culture from Spain and the um, native, the Indians that were there before the Spain, Spaniards arrived. So, so we're a very rich uh, culture of different, different uh, groups. So, of course, I would love everybody to go visit. It's very easy to go from this area because JetBlue goes directly from Reagan to San Juan. And it, you don't have to make a stop anywhere. You don't need anything special because, you, you know, we are a part of the United States. Same money. So it's, it's very easy to visit. 
and there's beaches, not now, all the beaches are closed, but in the future, hopefully, um, there's beach year round. You can go anytime in the year and it's the, the weather is beautiful. And the other thing that I would like to tell people is that, um, dogs are fabulous, that, um, they are very much like humans. They all have their personalities, no matter what breed they are. They have their interests and they're bored at times, like we are, and that they can help humans in wonderful ways as service dogs, as emotional support dogs, dogs that are now used to detect cancer in people. Um, they can also alert people to seizures that are coming on for epileptic people. Um, also for people with diabetes, they'll let them know when the sugar is low. I think the capability of, of the dogs are immense and we just know a little bit about it that we're going to know so much more about them as time goes on. Um, and if anybody wants to study canine massage, there are different, several universities in the, or institutes in the nation that offer it. I went to Ohio, which is the closest to me, and um, it would be a great service for a lot of the dogs in the area. Okay, Kim, now's the time in our show where you get to tell people what you would like to tell them. Okay. Well, I think what I'd like to tell people about autoimmune diseases is, first, don't judge others by how they appear before you, because just because a person looks fine doesn't mean they aren't suffering. With so many diseases, they are invisible. And I know Rachel, who always appears bubbly and happy and always is dressed to the T. Um, only people who really know her um, best will understand how much pain she lives with constantly and other people who have those invisible diseases. Um, and also as a parent, um, I know we touched on this, I want to stress to all parents and people who are suffering that you have to fight to get a good diagnosis. There's so many doctors pulling you in different directions, telling you things. And I mean, only after we were referred to, you know, a pediatric hospital, um, did we finally get a basic answer. And then later on, um, as more symptoms started progressing, did we get other answers? So you have to keep fighting and find the best doctor for you because I mean, there's people, especially as Rachel became an adult, who didn't take her seriously because she looked good. And I found that very stupid because you have doctors who know that you have somebody whose disease is invisible and they're not taking her seriously. And so be an advocate for yourself and for your child. I mean, it's, it's so important um, to do that. And also um, the depression, that's a really big one. Don't be embarrassed if you have depression with these diseases or any invisible disease or any chronic disease because it's a factor of the disease. It's nothing against you mentally. And I want people to know that. Um, don't hold that against yourselves. And then just uh, that we need more research. We all need to invest in researching diseases, especially some of these rare diseases that there's no cure for. I mean, with any autoimmune disease, whether it's lupus Bichette's or rheumatoid arthritis or Crohn's disease, there's no cure. There's only medications to try to keep you stable and help your body from not going haywire. 
So we just like with cancer, we need to try to find a cure. And um, I just hope everybody will um, spend the time to read and uh, look into immune diseases, especially rare ones like Bichette's. Um, I would love to see a cure in Rachel's lifetime. Becca, what would you like to tell people? I think I like to tell people that if you are if you're an introvert or you you want to take some time to just recharge and be yourself um, and just own that. I think I think there's nothing wrong with it, and um, and I think there there are ways where where we can kind of you know work together as I think as a society actually try to understand each other a little bit better too um you know even just between the I guess the typical social relationships there there are so many ways we can try to mitigate um that sort of stigma and then just to you know I think people are more comfortable in their own skin um so yeah I think that's what <laughs> what, what comes down to it essentially it's <laughs> um it's just a, you know I, I think introverts a they're they're kind of like you know monitoring themselves and they they like to sit around wondering about things imagining things um, thinking about maybe things from the past and making plans for the future so they live in their head a lot they're very easily stimulated even just by sitting in a coffee shop and just people watching it's so easy for them to think about things. But for extroverts, I think they, they need that real, like, tangible social situation. And um, so, yeah, I think it's just maybe for people to accept that difference. And there's really nothing wrong with any type. Um, and maybe when we work with some people, um, we can maybe kind of do our best to also try to try to acknowledge that difference. And, um, you know, and just to try try to be a little bit more understanding. Okay, Gail, now here's our segment where you get to tell people what you would like to tell them. I wanted to take the opportunity to share my journey and story with you today to encourage awareness and being familiar with your body. Getting checked out early could very well have made a difference in my prognosis and early detection is the key. Being diagnosed with cancer can be scary, but there are many resources and providers involved to guide patients throughout their journey, and you are not alone. Also, just because someone is diagnosed with cancer, you don't have to be defined by the disease. Throughout my time in treatment, I've continued to work regularly, drive, cook, engage in social engagements, and even continue to clean. We don't always choose our journeys or the paths to take, but I feel that if I can help others and provide information and hope, I'm truly making a difference. What I'd like to tell people is an independent podcast recorded and edited by us, Rachel and Hannah. Our theme song is written and recorded by Sean Price. Please like us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Make sure to subscribe to our show so you can receive the latest episode. Also, rate and review our episodes so we can receive more listeners. Go to our website www.whatidliketotellpeople.com. Find the link and more information in the episode notes. Until next week. And this was What I'd Like to Tell People.